Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yes, that's right. We'll have Mark Reddings on the drum soon, playing a solo to this song. That's the Southern River Band, the boys out of Thornley. Uh, they'll be doing great things for a long period of time. Just like Mark Reddings, Will Schofield here on the Shelter Footy Cast. How are you, Skeeter? Going very well, Scoey. Grand final week. Oh, uh, everything up week. until about this morning was mm. about Geelong, about Sydney, about injuries to Max Holmes, about Sam Reid. And have to say, uh, as we woke up this morning, uh, the football world t- turned on its head. And as John Lennon, Lennon once famously sang... Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Strange days indeed. Thank you very much, John Lennon. Uh, Shelter Footycast here. We do a bit of a, uh, a preview review Monday and Thursday. We do it twice a week. West Australian theme, all thanks to Shelter. Uh, they're doing beautiful things down at Bustleton. Big bad jetty down there. You can find us on social, Shelter Footycast on Instagram. Footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au is the email. You can watch us on YouTube, listen to us as a podcast. Shelter, born and brewed in Bustleton, WA. Let's get straight into a big moment of the round. It's grand final week, as you said. We're going to get right through a big grand final preview, a little bit of West Coast and Frio stuff. But I think before we get into it, we'll start with this and then get right into the grand final stuff. Um, huge explosive allegations this morning coming out about uh, Hawthorne and you know during a period of real success for them. Um, Chris Fagan involved, Elsa Clarkson involved. Um, you would have spoken about this on Sports Day. It's been, it's. I see these allegations, and um, wherever this sort of takes us, um, right, wrong, truth, wherever it is at the moment, they're just, I guess, allegations. But I think this may be the biggest footy story in in two decades. A bit bigger than Supplement Saga, um, probably bigger than um, the West Coast uh, 06 era. Uh, the stuff that was going on there. What, what other big stories has there been? I, I think this could be, we could look back at this in a few months' time and say it's the biggest story in footy in the last 20 years. Yeah, well, from a, the player's perspective that have, have put this out there and through the the Hawthorne inquiry, so to speak, that, that has come up with these, these allegations, um, let's just say if they are proven true, then that is 
horrific. It's it's not in keeping with where we're trying to go to as a society, let alone in the AFL. So uh, let's put that to one side. On the counter claim is these allegations. So we have to be very mindful of of not convicting uh, those that are having these charges or these the finger pointed at them and obviously we're talking Chris Fagan, Alistair Clarkson. I think we have to be very mindful of letting due process because both men, particularly Clarkson, has made a statement late today saying that he denies the allegations, very hurt by them, he's shocked, he's stunned and there has been no process that he's been involved with. So so I think you know, we're not trying to sit on the fence with this. It's just a very difficult story to try and unpack. Well, yeah, it's it's interesting. I've been thinking about it all day. It's been on my mind um, for most minutes of the day. You know, being sort of new into media, you've been doing this for a long time. There's some things that come about we, – we can talk about most things, right? I, we've done this for a fairly long time on this show. You, you can talk about most things, but this in particular, f- for me personally, is, is a minefield and not because – trying to tiptoe around any issues there's a lot to unpack in it there's 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 allegations around uh indigenous exclusion uh, family relationship um uh, plus current afl coaches included club culture like there is so much there and to be quite honest I don't understand all of it like I, I something something you can just speak about and okay you know let's have an opinion on it but but this one in particular it's really difficult to have an opinion because I don't I've just seen it this morning um it's clearly been like a, a wildfire through the media and everyone wants to have an opinion on it but I, I find it really really difficult especially as a player that's been in you know I've been I've been on under coaches you know in general and and not going to hide you know I've been at West Coast my whole career so any sort of chats that I have about what I've seen and what I've experienced you know they're very um I guess relevant to some sense but absolutely irrelevant in another sense because I've never been any other club Mm. I've never seen you know some guy we've seen Luke Hodge and Sean Sean Burgoyne come out today and speak of not knowing about any of this. So how the hell would I know what's going on and how the hell would you know what's going no, on? No, exactly. I guess in your situation, you've got the, the benefit of, of having been in a footy club and, and maybe obviously having had relationships with Indigenous players and and know what makes them tick better than, say, myself or, or some others. Yep. And you've quite openly said, look, I've, I don't see someone as Indigenous or non-Indigenous. They're your teammates, they're your mates, full yeah. stop. Um, that being said, though, at footy clubs... Would people at footy clubs look at what's come out today and, and be stunned? Are there other stories like this? Can't be just Hawthorne that, that this has happened to over the past 20, 30 years. I, I will say, like, the, the extremes of what was quoted in some of the, you know, story storytelling, like, it's it was shocking. Like, you mm. know, there, there are some, there's some real extremes in there, and um, I won't touch on them, but I guess uh, in my experience, yeah, yeah, clubs do um, – do deal with relationship problems. They, they do deal with behavioural problems. They do, do deal with um, your application as a footballer because that's what you're employed as, right? So if you rock up and you're unfit or you rock up and you're not focused or you're depressed or um, suicidal. Like I've played with guys that are suicidal. I, I, we spoke to Lewis Jetter on Backchat about um, his suicidal depression. He's been really open with it and, mm. and he's an Indigenous guy. So – somewhat um, relevant, right? So I've, I've seen all that, and clubs do get involved. Yes, they do. Uh, absolutely. West Coast, we're involved with numerous players, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous players, because um, 
in the end of the day, their their welfare is their responsibility. So what's happened to Hawthorne, how they've gone about that, I have no idea. But no. I've certainly seen intervention from a football club, absolutely. Yeah, and also you're talking about whether it's relationships, uh, you know, with a player and his partner or a player in the wrong crowd. And so, yeah, it's clubs have a vested interest mm. and I suppose it's the methodology of how they go about that. The, the, the wording of this or the, the way this has been portrayed seems extremely raw and and brutal in that sense. Uh, look, uh, race and inclusion and, and respect and, you know, where it all falls into that. Uh, you and I, Skate, the way we've grown up, we, we don't know what it's like to grow up as an Indigenous person in this country. Exactly. And, um, and so I, that's probably back on the start of this conversation. It's really difficult for us to have an opinion on it because – what, what do we really know? Well, we can empathise, yep. but we, we can't understand. It's like um, I can't understand some of your journey in life until I go through it yep. um, and, and vice versa. So absolutely, we're, we're just ha- having a, a look at it from the outside and the investigation will, will play out. Fagan's, um, Fagan's stood down uh, as Brisbane coach. Absence of leave, yep. Um, yep, Clarkson has uh, delayed his start as North Melbourne. I think like on those two and with the allegations involved, I don't think it would be that far uh, out of line to say, I, I, I would be surprised to a point if Clarkson and Fagan are coaching next year. Uh, Irrespective of the result of the investigation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know that's difficult, but th- this is this is where, you know, this is where we are as a, you know. But that's sad though. If you're saying if two coaches, if they are proven innocent, yeah, lose their job. Yeah. If they are proven guilty, I have no issue with what punishment comes their yeah. way, um, like like any individual. But it yeah, is, yeah, it's you're saying the mud sticks. Cl- yeah, yeah, and you know, clubs are clubs are brands, and um, yeah, well, that's yeah. yeah I, I I disagree with, with that process, but you're probably right, mm. given the heat that's going to come from it. But um, we'll follow it along. It's happened today, so it could take weeks. Could take oh, a couple of I months. would say it should it should take probably longer than weeks. So we we may not know, but we'll be here talking to it probably about in a few weeks, a few months time from from the top. I think it'll be one of the biggest stories that we we've seen in football. Yeah, full stop. So okay, we'll continue to follow it. I think skate. Um, that's it. Big news. Let's get into grand final week, though. Like you said, it's a terrific week in footy grand final week, and um, I think we can probably separate these two two issues just for a moment. Um, serious allegations, but grand final week, grand final preview to get to. I think we can get stuck into it. Uh, Will Schofield, Mark Reddings, Shelter Footy Cast. Before we get there, West Coast Freo update. There's been a few sort of permutations um, mm. across the waters. So since we last spoke, Darcy Tucker has requested a trade to North. Lloyd Meek requ- requests a trade to Hawthorne. Um, I didn't know that it happened. That happened today. So my social media feed, well, absolutely. I knew, I knew Hawks were into him, but yeah, yeah that's, if that's a development, then that's... Because Trevor Nisbet was in the paper a couple of days ago saying they were into him, so... Yeah, but by the same token, when's the last time Fremantle and, and West Coast went to, went to dinner? Yep. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and if it was, I don't know where, they, where they're heading out. Are they going to Maccas or are they going to Nobu? They're going... Not to Nobu, they, they don't, there's no holding hands between those two clubs, never has been. Joel Weston, Connor Blakely are uh, delisted. Um, and on West Coast side of things, Jacko Nelson, Hugh Dixon uh, and Tom Joyce all delisted at West Coast. No huge surprise at West Coast. W- one quick one, obviously with Griffin Lowe requesting to go to North, North Melbourne, so to Darcy We're going to touch on mm, the question that, you're about that, to that, ask. I'm just, I'm just putting out that end. that's going to be a, a fascinating scenario. I've got a nice little PTI at the end for you, Skeeter. Um 
I, I do rather than skim over the West Coast stuff. Dixon enjoys their you know additional ads, but Jack O'Nelson, one hundred and two games. Yeah, played over one hundred. He's twenty five years old. I still think he's proven he can play at the level. I mean, um, a- Andy Brayshaw probably goes and wins the Brownlow without Jack O'Nelson playing him in in two derbies this year. So he's been a stopper. He's been a, a running um, halfback flanker. Um, West Coast has notoriously had a very good backline. I don't think that can be argued for a decent amount of time. So it, what is he a stopper? A well, like a run it, with it was the emergency in 2018 for, yeah. the, for the Premiership. So I, I just would be very surprised if he's not in a side's best 18 around the country. He yeah. might not be in West Coast, and they've been a shocking side this year, haven't they? Um, but I, I just – yeah, it, it goes in line with the Freo ones. Moving on role players, never a big – I'm never a big fan of, but every club does it. So. Well, he's played 100 games, so the question I ask, and I think I know the answer here, is he a good citizen to have at a footy club? Abs- yeah, absolutely. Well, that ticks, that ticks a couple of boxes already. Really good kid. He's from a um, relatively big family with brothers and sisters. He's, he, he acts like the conduit between young guys and old guys at the footy club. Now, he's, he's sort of, not that he was a protege of mine, but I was really close to him. He's a Geelong boy. So, you know, I'm sad to see him go. I'm probably a little bit biased, but he's been a really good servant of that football club, and I'd like to see him continue his career elsewhere. Um, Frio, they have some sort of exodus going on here. Like, I... Like, I, I don't know. They're, they're, they're band of role players all out the door. It just worries me for future success for Freo. That's all. That's that's all. And Luke Jackson arrived in Perth yesterday just for what it's worth. So uh, he was very non-committal as to what he's doing. But given he's following all the Fremantle players on Instagram now, so I'm told. He uh, Who told he, you that? Well, I've just – you know, you think that I'm a complete numbskull. Oh, I do actually you have just, a phone. I look through and I see people posting stuff that relates to you Luke just, Jackson. You just said, so I'm told. So I just said – who told you? Well, I saw it on social media. I saw it on Twitter. I, you, you actually think that I live under a rock and have no idea about social media, Sky, but I have some ability. It's limited. Oh, I know you don't live under a rock, but you do have limited social media experience. All right, let's get in the grand final preview. Will Schofield, Mark Reddings, Shelter Footy Cast. Now, I bloody hope this is right. Geelong v Sydney, Saturday, September 24 at the MCG. On the money. Very good. I'm looking forward to this one. I think after all said and done, I think the two two best teams have made the grand final. I, I know Brisbane was good at stage. I know Melbourne was good at stage. I know Collingwood was... Col- Collingwood was, I mean, given yeah. what they'd won, what, 14 of the past 15 games. But the one team that had beaten them in that little spell, yep. or long spell, Sydney. Yeah, correct. And they beat them in a prelim. I know it was close, but they, they've beaten them. So they're the better side. And I think the two best sides, um, you know, over probably a decade here, right? 2011, Geelong's last premiership. Uh, 2012, Sydney's last premiership. Um, they've got some experience. Uh, both have experience, but both have good youngsters. And people didn't think that about Geelong at the start of this year. I was, I was one of them. Absolutely. Where, where, where was their youth going to come from? No, but Chris Scott, in 2011, some say he might have been handed a team from from Bomber, uh, Thompson, but even though he's had some trials, tribulations, some setbacks, some heartache, particularly prelim final last year, they've always been around the mark, which I think you have to give Geelong a lot of credit for. So to, to get them from 2011 to 2022, if he, if he is to get that second premiership, that puts him from being a, a very good coach. I think dual premierships that far apart Exceptional. Um, as for is horse the same? Like he's only won one one flag. No, absolutely. And, and again, going back to to them in what twenty twelve, yep. 
Grand final, that was a beauty. I mean, Nick Malczewski kicks the winner That's late right. in the game. Early in the game, you've got Lewis Genevieve, Cyril Rioli. That's right. Uh, Buddy's playing for, for Hawthorne back then. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Morton, a WA kid, gets a, a game. He almost won the Norm Smith Morton, didn't he? Uh, kick, he kicked a couple two, of goals, yeah. two in three minutes, yeah. essentially. So uh, we spoke to him tonight as well. So, Did you? Yeah. And, Unreal. And so he was a bit of a journeyman, Richmond, etc. So that, that 2012 grand final was memorable for Sydney. You're right. They have been... Thereabouts as well, beaten by the Bulldogs in 2016. So, always contending and thereabouts. So, yeah, and but guess what? Despite all of, all of the great numbers we've said about these two teams in the past decade and how they good they've been for a long time, they've never met in a grand final. Geelong, South Melbourne, or the Sydney Swans. That's astonishing for Mike, given they were both around when this competition started. Yeah. So, it starts uh, this week, grand final week. Uh, the players will have... Uh, way more the, the biggest thing you know about grand final week is a lot of people rock up at training usually there's about 20 30 people down there the usual suspects now, yeah now the stands are full um and and it's a pretty cool feeling at training like it just you just don't have it at all it's so different to the rest of the year that you've just got such a huge crowd so so they'll know that um i, I remember we used to do a uh, everyone would come to the middle for a fake meeting uh, you would go out and sign some signatures and then Simo would blow a whistle and we'd come back into the middle for another fake meeting and walk off together. So so blokes went out there signing for an hour. Because oh, yeah, yeah. there'd be 20,000 people and so, everyone wants a signature. Oh, so essentially what you're doing, you're ripping off the fans for some love. You just uh, couldn't be bothered putting that extra time in? I didn't see you hanging around signing <laughs> signatures out there, Skeeter. Imagine that. Skeeter at the back signing it. So, Oh, well, mate, I think I'd put the time in because oh, kids, kids remember that okay, sort of moment. Okay. Will? Oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, I back up? I feel like an asshole now. Nah, I'm only kidding. Yeah, so we did do that. Okay, there we go. There's a little <laughs> trick off the bat. Uh, we then get to Melbourne and we get the grand final parade. So this year it's a hybrid parade. There's been a lot of talk about the Yarra um, and how the, the Yarra River and they'll be on floats. That is happening but they're also on cars. I spoke to Tom Hickey during the week. He said it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid parade. A bit of cars, a bit of boat action. Don't know how I feel about the boat action, but that's what's going Sounds on. Sounds really like trains, planes, and automobiles. Just it's, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, John Candy. I don't know if there's something happening there, but I, look, I, I would have thought just jump in the car like, what's wrong with tradition? And just doing on the – and guess what? On Friday, uh, Melbourne – Raining, so that's the is forecast. That- oh, yeah, so it's going to be shizen. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, pretty average weather. So they're going to be sitting on the back of a boat on the Yarra, I think going through South Bank. I don't know. There's, a, there's a couple of little uh, little superstitions, little omens to yeah. look forward to on Friday. Um, so, Sunnies, who's wearing the most sunglasses in the parade? What does that mean? Well, it started in 95, 96, uh, when the, the Sydney North Melbourne Grand Final. What was that? 96. 96. North Melbourne, Pagan said, no one's to wear sunglasses. I want you looking at the fans. I want you being humble. I want you, you know, um, not hiding away. And Sydney rocked up all in sunnies. And um, Pagan pulled them all in and said, have a look at these blokes. They think they're fucking rock stars. They think they've already won. And kangaroos, go on to win. Don't shake it's your head. It's a bit of a long dry boat of draw, I'm, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just going to say it's... Ab- absolutely. But, <laughs> but, but, but then um, through uh, some, some of the North Melbourne connections with Clarkson, with Adam Simpson. That tradition continued. And continued. And we spoke to Jared Ruffhead. And he said in 2015, when we rocked up for the parade, all West Coast blokes, Sonny's on. And he, got, and he said, look at these blokes. We've got them. And they end up beating us in 2015. Adam Simpson not only played in 1996 with Pagan, under Pagan. He was at Hawthorne before that. So he knew the sunglasses rule. Yet didn't tell us about it in 2015. And we go on and lose. 2018 comes around. Yeah. 
ban by Simpson, no sunglasses in the parade. Collingwood rock up, all got sunnies on. We win the parade. So just watch for who has sunglasses on, especially if it's raining, Mark Redding. So there's no reason to have sunglasses <laughs> on if it's raining. There, there you get tool of the week if you're wearing them in the, in the, in the rain. And the other one is uh, the captain to take the Premiership Cup. Um, they, they present it to the crowd at the end of the parade. The last captain to take his hand off, that team will win. So it's a... But everyone knows about this. Both teams know about it. The captains know who holds on to the, the longest. Well, so so if both teams know about this. You're going to have the someone. Someone, someone always breaks. Someone always breaks. Someone always breaks. So I'm just telling you, skate. Hey, don't you don't have to. You don't have to question it. Just watch for it. Okay. No, it's. It, no, I just. I just find it fascinating that you've, you've resorted to like a, a sort of like a, a gypsy you know the, the crystal balls out and that's how you're doing you, Mate, you, you spoke to Mason Cox on back chat he, he said Collingwood knew about it with Pendlebury and Hearn in 18 and Pendlebury broke first because all of us knew about it and we're watching well, it so why did he break first because, mate, you have to – like, someone has to. Someone <laughs> – that's the point. Someone has to. And you and you watch to who it is and then the other team will win. Okay. Just no, I'll keep that in mind. Stay with me. You might, you, your wallet might look a little bit better if you listen to me. Uh, Cameron Ling will present the trophy to, uh, if Geelong win it. Paul Kelly will present it for Sydney. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. He's an absolute – both of them. Imagine those two blokes, they're, they're prime. They were just guns. And, and Lingy, of course, um, he knows about success. And Paul Kelly, arguably – Top five in Sydney's history. Nathan Buckley to present the Norm Smith Medal. Comfortable with that? Yeah, no problems at all. Very good. He wouldn't have done it if Collingwood were playing, surely. No, probably not. Uh, Bucks didn't win a premiership, of course. Um, no. Uh, as a did he win a Norm Smith in a losing? Yes, he did line? against the Brisbane Lions. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Yes, and he sort of quite famously sort of didn't throw it away, but he was took it off. Yep, exactly. Umpires Matty Stevick, um, he, who's umpired his 450th game, I believe. 450th, yeah, and also this is his ninth grand final in a row. His 10th grand final full stop, his ninth grand final. So then he got row. dropped after the first. No, he had it no, from I think he had 2012 had a break then 2013 missed out obviously, but you can't umpire in every grand final. Yeah, but he got, he got dropped. He got dropped. Wow. But it's a selection process. He got dropped. Okay, we still got 10, which is yeah, uh, doing, equal, doing, equals a record. 10 more than Mark Rennings, Will Schofield. Absolutely. Uh, Meredith, who's a Simon Meredith. He's a good umpire. Yep. Played under both those guys. I don't really remember Brendan Hoskins. Because it's his first grand final, oh, but, he, but he must have been umpiring for a while. I, I yeah. saw the um, the selection tape. Did you see this? They put it on social media. You might have seen no, it. No, I didn't see it. I thought, <laughs> thought you might have seen it, mate. No, I'm selective with my choices. So, so they did a big reveal and, and called the umpires' coaches called him up and it was quite emotional. It's, it's great. Pretty, it's, it's good how they do that, isn't it, with players? Oh, and, it's awesome. Yeah. Because people don't see that with umpires. Like, that, that's as much about what they're playing for or umpiring for. Oh, the, absolutely. The players, the recognition, right? the, the opportunity. Yep, absolutely. How do you see this game going? I, I will, before you, I get your answer, I think this is a pretty incredible stat. I wrote an wrote a article for Code Sport. Nine Geelong Falcons playing in this game. So, of the 44 players, nine are from the same club. It, it'd be like... Subiaco, like Geelong Falcons is effectively Subiaco um, in Victoria. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's ever happened before. Now, I, I haven't checked that off, but I would be surprised if nine guys from the same junior development club played in the game. You've got the two McCartan brothers for Sydney, and then you've got Paddy Dangerfield, Tom Atkins, Gary Rowan, uh, Grian Myers, Jed Buse, Tom Stewart, Jack Henry. Seven for Geelong. Two for Sydney, the Mick Turner Footy Factory. That's the that's Mickey the Turner. That's the t- number that's, nine for Geelong. Yeah, that's it. So he's a he's a team of the century wingman for Geelong, two hundred fifty gamer, captain of the footy club, and he ran the Geelong Falcons. So I think that's you know me being a Geelong boy. It's a it's a pretty incredible thing that'll 
you know, raised the standard of Geelong Falcons even more. They've had 15 premiership players, three Brownlow medalists, two Norm Smith medalists, eight AFL captains. It's a bloody good program down there. It so is. there'll be nine of them playing in the game on the weekend. No, you've spent five and a half minutes talking about the Geelong Falcons. It's no, it's it's a very good point though. Scott. Oh, do you, want me to, you want me to run through the fucking team lineups here? <laughs> if you want the team lineups, fucking head down to the West Australian and have a read of the paper. You're here on the show to Footycast. We give you real insight. What do you expect to happen, Mark? Right? Uh, this would be good. It, no, well, go back to the last time they met, and it was one of those bizarre nights of footy in the history. Is this, is this Buddy's thousandth? Buddy's thousandth. Wow. Um, they win by thirty points. Uh, Geelong kicked really poorly at goal, and I don't know how much do you look at that. I mean, that's going back a, a fair while. Now. They only met early in the season, to be honest. It was. Round two. It was round two, actually, yeah. Well, I lost $100 because of this. Dare I say, it was uh, my father's funeral that day. I remember sitting oh, there w- w- watching the game and getting nicely uh, whacked. And it was, um, yeah, it was a bizarre game because the, the, the buddy factor was so prominent. Yes. And it was, um, yeah, it was, look, with with Sydney, what we've seen, that their second half last week, I think they'll have a look at, you know, what they did wrong, what they did right. As you said, they, yeah. they won the game. So that's important. I just, I just can't see how they're going to penetrate the, the Geelong defence and also I just love the Geelong attack when they're going I mean Cameron has had one good final I think you could say really good I mean has you know hasn't had to produce his absolute best during the finals Tommy Hawkins been inaccurate last weekend against Brisbane um, you know Stingle they've got three all Australians in their forward line in their forward line that's not a bad head start yeah um, so yeah it, it is about we know the midfield is going to be important but for you is there anything to draw from from what you see about Sydney and, and how they play back in round two and how they go about it, or the no, SCG's a different beast? No, nothing. Like, honestly, nothing. Mm. If It doesn't matter if it's Sydney or whoever. You, you don't look that far back. It, it, they may look at a couple of little things, but Geelong will be playing so much differently right now than they did in round two, and so will Sydney, for that matter. It would have been a different team, both sides. I don't think Joel Selwood played that day. N- not that that matters exceptionally much, but uh, they'll be completely different teams. The, the way I'm, I think this game's going to go... Um, it has to do with Geelong's lead-up. So the last four rounds of the season, Geelong played, you're going to like this as well, mm. Western Bulldogs, St Kilda, West Coast, Gold Coast. Yeah, West Coast was last, yeah. Right, so that, not, not in any order, oh, sorry, but those yeah. four teams, right? Any of them good at defending? Gold Coast, St Kilda, West Coast or the Bulldogs? No. Zero. Collingwood in the first qualifying final. A good attacking side, Collingwood, they don't defend. They attack. They attack you. Mm. So don't defend. They have a buy. They play Brisbane. May as well have been a buy. So they had the pre-finals buy, Collingwood, buy, Brisbane. May as well have been a buy. And now they're in a grand final. So in 10 weeks, they have not played a defensive side. And Sydney locked down your best players. That's what Sydney do. Clark will go to Stewart. They'll have someone on Jeremy Cameron. You mentioned Jeremy Cameron. Now, I've played on Jeremy Cameron. I'm not saying I know how to beat him, but when I prepared to play on him, you need to be physical with him because he's a, he's a runner. He's a, he's a freestyler. Like, if you let him do his own thing, he is the best, the best forward in the game. He's better than anyone. Great tank. Great tank. He, he can run. He can jump. He can mark. He can kick goals from anywhere. He's just he's scary. But if you put body on him and you show him a shitload of respect and you're physical with him, like anyone, it's bloody hard to beat that because you're fighting against someone. You need someone who's going to scrap him all day long, to be honest. So it could be uh, – we'll get to who that could be, but that's what Sydney will do. They'll 100% do that, and they'll get someone on Dangerfield in the middle of the ground. They'll put time into him, given what he did last week. You can't just let Dangerfield run around by himself. So 
They've got someone on Stewart, Dangerfield, Cameron. Um, someone will be matched up on Hawkins, clearly. But I think those are the three most important players to how Geelong plays. And Sydney will lock them all down. So yeah. that's how they'll have a chance of winning. Are they going to win? I still don't know. I still haven't made my mind up. But I think Geelong, coupled with Geelong's preparation, which is not, not playing anyone defensive in 10 weeks, as well as the fact that Sydney is exactly that team, I think it's going to make for a really interesting grand final that Sydney could definitely win. Yeah, absolutely. I look, I, I, what I like about Geelong is their intercept marking is, is such a hallmark for them. Yeah. They, they tend to drop the ruckman behind the play and, and it, it can become just a, a wall to get I'm past. That's against Brisbane. Against Brisbane, yeah. they, they did. They did that really well. Now, whether Sydney can alter that, that strategy remains to be seen. As you said, being able to have Stewart as that, that player to, to intercept and you think they'll they'll make a point of Ryan Clark will go to him I, I'm almost um, undoubtedly that'll happen. Yep, he, he's done that in the past. He's done it on other you know forwards. He does it really well, and then he gets a bit dangerous as well. That's the important thing about being a forward tagger is okay, stop your man, but you can't run around on a backman all day. You need to be dangerous and get them into positions that they're uncomfortable with, that it's difficult to drop off or intercept from. And if they do and they get it wrong. You stand, you know, it might be stand at the top of the goal square, for instance, or wherever it is. So Sydney did a little bit to Darcy Moore last week until they moved him on to Lance Franklin. So I reckon you called it that Remy wasn't in the game, Darcy Moore. We, we hadn't called his name. And either you or Carl said maybe he's getting taken away from the game. And I think they were. They were, they were taking him to the fat side of the was ground. Was it Logan McDonald? He was playing yep. for some, yep. some stage. And, and Maynard, Maynard, yeah, Logan McDonald hadn't touched it either. No, and Maynard was getting a bit of treatment from, from Buddy. And at that stage, you thought, why don't they get their best defender on him? And he was taking overhead marks, etc. But yeah, look, I think you make a good point. You've you spelled it out pretty well. Um, I do think that Sydney's clearance work, looking at the numbers, hasn't been as good as what they would like. Yeah. Um, and Geelong's efficiency going inside 50 is, is a little better. But, it, yeah, it shapes up to being, hopefully, I mean, as we know, they've won, what, 15 in a row, Geelong heading into this? Yep. And nine in a row for Sydney heading into this. Yeah. That's not bad form. Yeah. I mean, the I, you, you're right about the back lines. I think the back lines will have, which I'm bloody happy about, they'll have a big influence on this game because mm. it'll be about Geelong's intercepting back line, but can Sydney's back line stop this all-Australian forward line. I think they can. The McCartan brothers, one of them will get Hawkins. One of them will get um, Cameron, probably. Um, Tom McCartan's got the better tank out of the two of them. Who goes to Rowan? Um, that's a very good point. Because he's got the, he's that... D- Dane Rampy potentially, but maybe not... Be but Ram- Rampy can play... Yeah. He can play on a beast as well, can't he? I think, like, I think with Rowan, you've got to put a um, someone who can play a bit taller because he, he is a run and jumper. And if you can be a bit physical... And, uh, Stop again, his run at it. Yeah, you can't let him... Uh, a lot of these players, mate, if they're let to do what they want to do, which is run around and, and, and showcase their skills, of course, they, you know, they're great players, yeah. all Australian players. But if you can... You know, the challenge is, can you stop that from happening? And, and everyone's been trying to do it all year and they haven't been able to do it. So can Sydney do it? Well, I think if you look back to that game in round two, even though I said don't look at that at all, I think the Sydney back line, from memory, the McCartan brothers had very good games at intercepting Geelong's entries. So, yep, of course, the midfield will dictate it. The midfield matchups are pretty interesting with Dangerfield in there. Parker's probably the leader in there for Sydney, but you've got Heaney that runs through there. Callum Mills has been a two-way runner. 
but a, sort of an interesting player that you know goes in and out of there. Chad Warner, West Australian boy, he's an incredible what, year. What a great season, isn't yeah. it? I mean, he got homesick and he was, but you know, every, he always looked like a ready-made player when he arrived at Sydney. Such a such a composed player, and he's been, you know, no wonder they want to get his brother into the mix as soon Absolutely. as possible. So, what's his brother's name? Um, is it Corey? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah another C Warner. Yes. Tom Hickey in the ruck. I think that's a really you know, special story. story. Oh, yeah. So I spoke to Tom earlier this week. I um, wanted to get a big chat with him before it gets into it and just spoke about, um, you know, what the week looked like. And he was like, look, look, mate, I've got three kids, um, twins, which you'd know about, Skeeter. He said, mate, this week does not change one little bit. I might get one night to myself in the hotel, but the, the lead up to the week, no sleep. He's right in the thick of things. You know, a couple of couple of one year old twins, mate. Like he's yeah, good he, on him. I spoke to him. He did the interview with one of the twins on his chest asleep. Like you know, and it's just a normal week for him. But of course, it's an extraordinary week. It could uh, be the yeah. best week of his yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, in terms of football. That's the advice. Like he said, "Well, you got any advice?" And I said, "Oh, look, having played in a losing and a winning one, um, my memories of the winning one are, uh, are greater. And and of course, winning is it's never everything, but you know." Accept the week, enjoy the week, but be there to win it. Like you're there now. Don't just think, oh, how good we've made it. You know, yay for us. Like you want to bloody win it. You're there now. Like make sure you fucking win it. Very like, big chance. To, it, it might be terrible advice, but yeah. Well, no, but it's, it is. I mean, he's he. This is you know, fair chance. This will be his last chance. Well, yeah. It, everyone, you know, who plays in one. It could be their last go. So like. No one ever said to me in 2015 when we lost, like, make sure you go go to win. And it might sound stupid, but there was a lot of chat about, oh, it's a great week, enjoy the week, enjoy the parade. You know, when you get on the ground, have a look at everything, which is all true. Of course it is. But if you don't win the game, it can be almost a tainted memory that you, you, mm. it makes you feel sick. I wish I'd have done this, wish I'd have done that. So... Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds funny, but no one ever said that to me before, the, before 15. So I wish someone had said... Look, it's all great, but if you don't win it, yeah, um, you may as well just yeah. You may as well have lost the prelim. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, seriously. So we'll be we'll be. I've got a lot of I've got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies in this game. Geelong boy, watch them as a kid. Know a lot of the guys personally. Got Tom Hickey and a couple of Geelong boys in the Sydney game. Um, before we get to who's going to win it and some Norm Smith predictions, a couple of injury clouds. Max Holmes, I, I said Monday he's not playing the granny. I'm still standing by that, but. Apparently he's a chance. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, if if you if you any doubt, and you can't say he's not going to be some no, doubt. That's that's coming doubt, yeah. tomorrow night at selection. Yeah, you, you uh, look. I'd I'd say for me, I'd say he's probably a thirty percent chance to play. But maybe we're both just missing missing the obvious here. I think Sam Reid is is even less likely. Yeah. I mean, they're saying that if he does get an injection, there's a real chance that he could tear the abductor off the bone, which. Is doesn't sound ideal. No, I don't know what it means, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, the adductor is the inside muscle that runs all the way up to, you yeah. know what, so he, uh, tearing that off probably not. But if you've got a premiership with Daniel, is that going to make it well, worth it? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, walking's usually a pretty important part of life <laughs> as well. So we'll see how he goes. Uh, McInerney apparently didn't train, uh, but he, be sweet. he had an ankle knock, so that's how you recover from an ankle. You don't go and run it on the Tuesday. You'd be training by Thursday. So we could go relatively unchanged, maybe one, one change each. Um, who are we going to do for us? Norm Smith or who wins? 
Well, I think who wins and then we right. work out who's... Who's, win- who's winning and by how much? Uh, going to stick with the best team for the season, for the year, I think Geelong. Uh, they're a bit like a, a Melbourne Cup where you see a trainer has just got them primed, albeit with, as you said, the maybe not the hardest leading with defensive sides or lack of them to contend with. I just think Chris Scott has just got... He's given Dangerfield with a bit of soreness, some time off. He's rested... Selwood, I think last year's prelim final, they were humiliated, albeit there was some sickness. I think this is their moment. I really do. I think Danger is, you know, this is his match that he can shine. I think the Cats will win. I think they'll win by, well, what's a line about? Minus 10. So I'm going to go, I'm going to take them to the line. <laughs> there you go, just to put it in punting parlance. <laughs> well, if we're using horse racing, and not that I know anything about it, I truly am just a I no idea about it. Yeah. I, I feel like... Um, it's been a great preparation, and and the, and the horse is raring to go, but it's about to be checked out of the out of the, when it jumps, jumps and gets it's going to get checked early, and it's whether or not it can recover and come back around the outside of the pack, whether it can win or not. And some horses will be able to do it. You're talking about Sydney or Geelong here? And some don't. It's a really long-winded analogy for Sydney checking Geelong out of the box, physical early, locking down their best players. Can Geelong weather the storm? And it'll. I think they'll have to come from behind or, or let, they'll, they'll have to win the game. They, they won't be trying to hold a lead. I think they'll have to, in the second half, have to have to go and win the game. A bit like the Geelong, uh, Geelong Collingwood qualifying final then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think so. And, and yeah, it'll be it'll be really physical at least for the first half. And, you know, can Sydney maintain that? You know, we, we saw Collingwood a bit of a fade out. Can they maintain it? Um I'm going to say I think they can, and I think Sydney win an upset um, under a goal. I think it'll be uh, within, I think, five points, and uh, Sydney win. Well, if Sydney win, I'm with you. I don't think there's going to be a big margin. I think Geelong's a really good starting team. They've shown it all season. So, look, if you're right, and they can just stymie them early, Mm. perhaps, but if you're saying that, and I think it's going to be Geelong by two or three goals. But every time you say it's going to be a close grand final... It never turns out that way. I, I just mean, really, I hope really it is. I no, no, so do I. But last year felt like a close grand final. The yeah. margin was seventy points in the end, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was something like that. It was something stupid. So yeah. Anyway, um, Norm Smith. Uh, well, I've just given it away a little bit. But if Geelong is winning, oh, I just think I just think he is the bloke that has been playing his whole career for this moment. Yep. Number thirty-five for Geelong. Okay. I've been really struggling for Norm Smith for Sydney because I think. Mills locks down Dangerfield, but you yeah. don't win a North Smith locking someone down. They lock down Stewart. You know, Geelong player doesn't win the. So who? I've landed on Luke Parker. I think Luke Parker could be the one that He's a gun. maybe runs around on. Um, you know, maybe a Cam Guthrie or a Duncan, who are both great players, but not those really accountable players. And I, I think if Sydney wins it, Parker kicks a couple of goals out of the midfield and wins a Norm Smith. Gee, be a good game either way, we're hoping, aren't we? Just yeah. fingers crossed. Look, I'm looking forward to being walking back into the MCG for the first time since 19. Uh, what about you? You looking forward to doing that as well? Don't don't push my buttons. <laughs> You're bloody pushing my buttons today. You're pissing me off. Uh, I have one last stat to give you before yes. we get into PTI. Of the last eight grand finals, six of those games, the first goal-kicking club has gone on to lose the game. So it, it's actually uh, the last two years the winner has kicked the first goal, but the six before that, all losing teams. So Shuey in 15, Parker in 16, Cameron, uh, Jeremy Cameron for GWS in 17. Mm-hmm. Um, hey? 
Varco in 18. So all losing after kicking the first goal. So who kicks the first goal and do they lose the game? You're big on omens and like doing the little sort of... Only one of us here have played in, played in AFL Grand Final, so... Oh, we bringing that out of the out of the cupboard, are we? Oh, okay. You've been pushing my buttons all bloody show, and you, you know what? You got me. Yeah, you got me. I'm pissed off. <laughs> who's kicking the first goal? Oh, you want me to, uh, you want me to nominate who's kicking yeah, the first absolutely. goal? Yep. Oh well, I think g- you give think, what you I just th- said. I think you think Jeremy Cameron's kicking the first goal because you love him. Yeah, I do love him. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> but then that doesn't work in my favour because then Sydney wins the GF uh, under your scenario. Um, no, I Buddy. think I think Papley kicks the first goal. Very good, and Sydney lose. Yes, very good. Love that. Not, but you know, nothing against Sydney, but you know, you, you you won't be upset if the Cats win. That's your grand final preview. Will Schofield, Mark Reading, Shelter Footy Cast. A little bit of PTI to finish off the show today. I've um, got a couple of good ones. This is one uh, at the back end that you spoke about earlier on, but we go with this one first. Saturday's winner in the grand final will decide who is the most consistently successful team over the past 10 years. Yes or no? Between the two clubs or in the AFL? Hang on, I just need to get some clarification here. AFL. Uh, I think Geelong... Keyword consistently. Yeah, I think Geelong is, has been the most consistent. Hmm. They've, uh, only missed, they've only missed one, one year of finals. Yeah, and they've, you know, we're talking prelim finals, on grand final, what, 2020? So what if they lose the grand final and Sydney win? Well, you're saying Saturday's winner will decide. So, yeah, yeah. if they win it, yeah. absolutely. Does, does Sydney does Sydney become the no, – because you're saying, you know, Geelong, Geelong's been, you know, the, the side. What, yeah, if Sydney, what if Sydney wins the flag? Does that does that change things? Possibly, but I still think Geelong's consistency of effort to get to a position where they're in, in challenging mode mm. still gives them a good argument on that front. To go against you, like I, th- I think Sydney like – both these clubs, you can't really make an argument against Geelong, but for Sydney – it, it, it astounds me that this Bloods culture, which has been spoken about since 2005, you know, the West Coast um, Sydney series, 05, 06, and then all the mm. games in between, they talk about the Bloods culture. They still speak about that, which is pretty incredible. That's that's almost 20 years, and that's been pulled out of, I'm pretty sure, is like it South Melbourne. Is Melbourne's, it myth or reality, dude? I think it's reality. I, the guys that I know that have played there, so Nick Smith, I went to school with him. He was a very good player for Sydney. Tom Hickey now there. Dean Cox is there. Mm. I, I know a few guys, and they speak. I've heard. I've heard the blood culture. I've heard. I've heard it mentioned. So it's it's real. It's it's something that it's not. Um, it's not something probably you or I ever understand. But I th- I think it's I, I think it's about the way they handle themselves. Almost a bit like the All Blacks. Um, it's just, just a culture just, thing. Just, don't you just break it down. It's a no dickhead policy. Isn't well, it? well, in essence. Well, yeah, maybe, but like. I think they've actually held true to it. Is probably mm, my point. Yeah, a lot of other clubs haven't. There's been a lot of success over a lot of other clubs, but they always fall in and out of culture. Sydney's just seems has been consistent in that. And what astounds me about that is that they come from obviously not a, an AFL heartland. So the scrutiny in Sydney isn't like yeah. in Melbourne or, on good so, or, or Perth or South Australia, where there's you know if you're a team that's going no good, mm. there's a lot of heat on on you. They probably don't get that same. Tom Hickey mentioned it. He said, like, I could probably just go down to the cafe. Not that he feels like he's a big celebrity or anything, but it's grand final week. And if a West Coast player in a grand final week in Perth went down to a cafe, they'd probably get mobbed. Whereas he was like, no, no one would even 
know who I am. Which he probably loves. Oh, absolutely loves it. He'll he'll go and live in the hinterland on the Gold Coast when he's done. He'll be he'll be up there growing veggies and eating and green, stuff. green living. Yeah, correct. <laughs> uh, last one. This is a good one, I think. The issues at Hawthorne, Brisbane, and North Melbourne, so this is to do with the allegations this morning, are going to significantly impact the expected trades this trade period. So if we talk about, like you were saying, Logue, Tucker to North, um, Dunkley to Brisbane uh, and and Hawthorne-related stuff. I can't really think of any off the top of my head with Hawthorne. You know what? I'm going to let you have first try at the stumps, and I'm yeah. happy to go because, you know, it's easy to take the, yeah. the first line of thinking. I will say, if you want to go to North Melbourne, yes, there'll be some, some money being thrown around. You can't imagine too many guys are on big money at North Melbourne at the moment. But a big reason that would help get you over the line would be Alistair Clarkson. And so from what I said off the top of the show, that I, I find it hard, given what's been said and put out there, that those guys will be coaching. Same with Fagan at Brisbane. I, I think it may impact trade period. Yeah, if you're a player and you want to go and play for Alistair Clarkson, Brad Brad Hill's been thrown around there a little bit and he's great, you know, great relationship with Alistair Clarkson. If he's no longer there, he doesn't want to go to North Melbourne. Absolutely not. Griffin Logue's been promised to be played as a as a defender and be made uh, make him an All Australian defender. That's what I've heard. Clarkson said, "I'll put you in a position, make you an All Australian defender within three years." Clarkson's not there. Do you want to do that, or do you want to stay with obviously a really hard decision that it's been publicised that Logue's found it really difficult to leave Fremantle? Does Tucker want to go there? Do, does anyone want to go there? I, I think Clarkson's had a lot to do with uh, North Melbourne's. Uh, popularity or whatever you want to call it um and dunkley to brisbane don't know where that'll sit i think north melbourne stuff though will be impacted yeah i look I, I i can mount an argument to this because i think you're right clarkson has been the magnet to, to get those players there but by the same token i don't think it's going to be resolved before yeah. they have to commit so i think in their hearts they've probably been told look you know let's hope he's still there sometimes when you've checked out of a club mentally i think that will be the case with these guys. If they've already committed, yeah, it's a, this is a left field you know, yeah. curveball that no one would have ever anticipated. So, But no, I, I tend to think that because of the, the time this may take, that the players will commit, they'll go, and obviously there has to be a plan B from a North Melbourne point of view, mm. and, and obviously from Brisbane as well. But no, I'm prepared to say that that, that won't significantly change purely because of the time frame. I just don't think there's... But the trades will have to happen the, yeah, the, and no one will be, know the answer. Yeah, no, exactly. No one will know the answer. So I, I tend to think they will still commit to the clubs that they have already said, yep, I'm, uh, I'm on my way. When you're on the plane uh, for the grand final, mate, you're uh, flying business, I assume? I'm not flying business, but uh, Travelling Sport Australia, just getting us across there tomorrow morning. That's uh, very nice. Yeah, yes. Do a good job down there at Travelling Sport Australia. Good, great job. Paul Rams in the team, so you're going to get across there. So Thursday night, very quiet night. Um, just functions? Eight, no, no functions that I'm aware of, but we'll find something. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what time we're going to get to bed, Western Standard Time, because of course I keep my clock on Perth time. So if I'm getting a bit at, at two o'clock Perth time, you know I've had a fairly decent hit out over this. We'd, we'd like some updates across Shelter Footy Cast, please, Kate. <laughs> I'd like some updates from you from the Gold Coast as well, because that's for me. No. I'm jealous. I actually am jealous because I love the Gold Coast. Not this weekend. Not this weekend. Give me groomsmen at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Follow us on Shelter Footycast across Instagram. Send us an email at footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au. Watch us on YouTube. Listen to us on podcast. Grand final will be done and dusted next time we speak to you. Go Swans. Tanners. Is- 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.